Welcome to the Hoops District Podcast. This is the first episode of the podcast, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review. I will be uploading new episodes weekly. Today we're going to be talking about Paul George being a potential MVP candidate, the Celtics starting to figure things out, and the biggest surprises and disappointments of the year so far. Now, Paul George has been on a roll so far this season. He's averaging career highs in points, assists, rebounds, blocks, and steals, while the Thunder sit at third in the West. Paul George has been looking like the best player on the team. He's averaging 25 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, on 44% shooting from the field, and 38% from three. If you just watch the games this season, he's playing like the best player on the team, and I think that the Thunder should run the offense through George instead of Westbrook. George is a more natural and skilled scorer than Russ, who has been extremely inefficient lately. George could definitely finish top 10 in MVP voting if he keeps this level of production up and if the Thunder continue to win. Who knows? Maybe the Thunder might be able to make a deep playoff run. The bench has obviously improved as they added Schroeder and Noel. Adams has really improved his offensive game. Steven Adams. The Thunder have plenty had have had plenty of possessions where they'll just feed it into Adams in the post. He'll back his man down. He'll do a quick fake, do a spin move, throw a hook shot spin dunk, catch a lot. I mean, he just looks so much better offensively while still being one of the best offensive rebounders in the league and impacting the game in so many ways that don't show up on the stat sheet. Now, the Boston Celtics just lost to the Detroit Pistons 113-104, which snapped an eight-game win streak. After the rough start to the year, and I mean a rough start to the year, they seem to be figuring things out. Although they won eight straight, none of those teams had an above 500 record. So it was a pretty weak-ass schedule. Still, though, it gave the Celtics a chance to figure out their offense, experiment with different lineups, rotations and they have they've put Hayward and Jalen Brown with the second unit and inserted Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris into the starting lineup which has worked out beautifully Morris can space the floor he's shooting 42% from through this season and he's a very good defender he's versatile he can switch on to different positions and if needed, he can put the ball on the floor and create his own shot. Marcus Smart is a pesky and physical defender who does a lot that does not show up on the stat sheet. You know, he makes up he makes all the hustle plays. He doesn't give a crap about his numbers and he just wants to help his team win. Inserting Smart and Morris into the starting lineup was a great move by Brad Stevens. 
Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown have been playing well with the second unit. You know, Hayward just recently dropped like 37-8 and or something like that against the Timberwolves. So, yeah, he's playing well off the bench. Um, it seems like the Celtics have just figured everything out. Uh, At the end of the day, it's going to come down to the Raptors and the Celtics for the Eastern Conference title, which will be very fun to watch. I mean, both teams, you know, both teams can go 12 deep and have great coaching. Kawhi has been MVP caliber. Kyrie has been amazing after cutting his hair. You know, he's the closer for the team, the standout best player, uh... In my opinion, the second best point guard in the league. Um, One of the most efficient point guards in the league. And one of the most clutch players in the league. Siakam is a most improved player candidate. I mean, Lowry's averaging like 10 assists a game. You know, uh, it'll be fun to watch these two teams go at it in the Eastern Conference Finals. It really will be. And um, any team can come out of it. Both teams have a chance to beat the Golden State Warriors who are pretty much as vulnerable as they've ever been since adding Kevin Durant. You know, it looks like this might be the year where their dynasty comes to an end. Durant might leave for the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, who knows? He might he might team up with Kawhi in there. I mean, there have been reports that Kawhi is still set on playing in Los Angeles, even though he's been playing very well in Toronto. So, who knows? Now, we're going to be moving on to the biggest surprises and biggest disappointments of the year so far. So, let's start with the surprises. The Dallas Mavericks and the Sacramento Kings. Both teams are three, four games out of the first seed, which is very surprising, especially for, like, the Kings, who have been one of, if not, the worst franchise in the league for the last several years, and um, they've turned around. They're one of the top teams in pace, one of the top teams in field goal percentage. Um, They move the ball well. They're young. They're hungry. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has been incredible. He took his game to a whole nother level this year after a pretty underwhelming rookie year. He's definitely a most improved player candidate. And I mean, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this great start for the Kings is more than likely not going to last. And I expect them to eventually come down to earth and miss the playoffs. Now, it's pretty much the same with the Dallas Mavericks, who are also going to come back down to earth, although I do see them potentially sliding into the 7 or 8 seed. Luka Doncic, front runner for Rookie of the Year, no debate there, has been phenomenal. And... While I do think people are overhyping him a little too much, I mean, they're calling him, like, the best rookie of, like, the last decade, which I don't think is true. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. But, I mean, I definitely believe that he's 
got all-time great talent, all-time great potential. Well, not his talent isn't all-time great yet, but the potential he has, he will he'll potentially be an all-time great is very likely. I mean, he's already playing like a 10-year vet. He's so experienced. Obviously, he played in the Euro League, won a Euro League MVP. Some of the shots he's been hitting have been insane. He's been extremely clutch for the Mavs. He's one of like the leaders in like clutch point and clutch efficiency this season. He's one of the leaders in like step back threes or something like that. I think the Mavs might get the seven or eight seed. The Mavs and the Kings will both probably cool off, and I think the Kings are gonna miss the playoffs. Because at the end of the day, even with this hot start, they don't have the star power to contend. Like once it gets into like April, March, April. That's when teams are just, you know, yeah, they can. But I do see the Mavs sliding into that uh, 7 or 8 seed, potentially. Potentially. Another surprise this season has been the Indiana Pacers, a team that no one expected to be top four in the East, but there they are. Even with Oladipo missing 12 games, and he's back. Uh, Bogdanovich has been lights out shooting the ball. He's shooting like... 50% 50% from three or something. Uh, Miles Turner continues to be an elite rim protector, one of the best in the league. He's averaging over two blocks a game. Sabonis and Tyreek Evans playing extremely well off the bench. The Pacers have been balling. A couple of other surprises for me, like player-wise, Zach Levine, he's averaging 24 a game in Chicago. Tobias Harris, averaging 21 a game in L.A. He's having an all-star caliber year. Very efficient. 50% from the field, 40% from three. Danilo Gallinari, another player on the Clippers who has bounced back after a plethora of injuries. Uh, He's averaging an efficient 19 a game. And Derrick Rose, who I think has surprised everyone. Everyone. He's surprised so much. Everyone. Uh, he's shooting something like 50% from the field and 48% from three, I believe. I mean, he's just been phenomenal. It's great to see, you know, Derrick Rose after what we all know, the injuries that he went through, you know, and he drops 50 um, in a game this year. This is really, really fun to fun to watch and nice to see him you know healthy again he's in great shape he's he may might win most improved player who knows I mean he's shooting so he's shooting ridiculous he like 48% from three 50% from the field his efficiency his shot his just his he's a playmaking more efficiently I mean like everything everything for Derrick Rose is going well and um I'm happy to see that. He might win sixth man of the year. You know, you got Schroeder and Randall in there, but, you know, he's definitely a leading candidate for that award. But on to my disappointments. Mr. CP3, Chris Paul, has shown obvious decline. He's averaging... The worst points per game since his rookie year. 
the highest turnover average of his career, the worst field goal percentage and free throw percentage of his career. He's been bad. And the contract he's under is brutal for Houston, especially considering his performance so far this year. He is under a four-year, $160 million deal. $160 million. That means the Rockets will be paying CP3 $44 million when he's 37 years old. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous. This, like, Chris Paul was demanding this money in the offseason, too. Like, and he hasn't shown that he's worth his money. The Rockets are not doing very well, but hopefully Houston and Chris Paul can turn it around because, you know, he he's just been bad. He's been bad. I mean, Harden's, Harden's been playing well. You know, he's got, like, he had like a fifty-point triple-double. He, I think, he like leads the NBA uh, history in fifty-point uh, triple-doubles with like four. So I mean, he is—he's playing well, but Chris Paul—he's gonna have to step up because it's pretty much it. W- last year it was they had the three-point shooting, they had Harden, and they had CP3 to rely on. But now CP3 has been inconsistent, inefficient. He has not been playing well, and the Rockets pretty much have to rely on James Harden to produce offense almost every single time. I mean, it's just almost every single possession. It's they have to get, they have to rely on Harden, and you know, come playoff time, that is not gonna be good. Not gonna be good. But the next disappointment has been the Washington Wizards, who have been awful. With all the drama they went through, the Dwight Howard situation, with you all have probably heard of, the friction between teammates, they've just been a mess. Even the Ariza trade was bad, man. It's a bad move. This, this man, Ernie Grunfield, is an ass GM. He trades... Two young, developing players in Kelly Oubre, Austin Rivers, who I guess he's okay. But for a declining Trevor Ariza, while the Wizards aren't even in playoff contention. What the hell? Like, and the Wizards front office has made it known that all players are up for trade. But, you know, Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal has seemed to attracted the most trade value. Every contending team wants him. You know, L.A., uh, whatever. John Wall, who has been playing mediocre, to say the least, has gotten no trade interest. He's got another massive contract that is impossible for the Wizards to move. In 2017, he signed a four-year $170 million extension. That doesn't even take effect until next season. And that's, well, that's just not gonna, it's not gonna cut it. Ernie Grunfield is a trash GM. John Wall's entering his 30s. He's, soon he'll be past his prime. I mean, 
this Wizards team is a mess. They probably won't even make the playoffs. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets will might probably even finish with a better record than them. It's just, it's just a mess. But that's all for the first episode of the Hoops District podcast. I appreciate all you tuning in. Uh, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and stay tuned for more. Because I'll be uploading new podcasts weekly. But I'm out. Peace.